encourage you to go to the website to listen to the podcast. Unfortunately, the first talk didn't record because of uh, some more technical difficulties, uh, but you can at least listen to last week's talk uh, because it was sensational. And um, so what we're really, um, before we get to September, really what this whole month is about is about creating some space in the church diary where we can re- revisit some of the things that matter to us and um, make some space to hear from God so that we can clear and be clear together, not just uh, about who we are uh, uh, or clear on um, uh I've just lost my place. Clear about where we're, where we're coming from. To be clear about what we've inherited, what we want to safeguard. Uh, and in light of all of that, for us to really be thinking uh, creatively uh, around what the next steps for our community uh, might be. We've been thinking and talking about this for months now. Not only are we on the doorstep of a 25th anniversary as a community, and we're trying to think about how we can celebrate that together on the 23rd and the 24th of June. Uh, like Sam said earlier, I hope you've got those dates in your diary, but we're also on the doorstep of uh, the 250th anniversary of this building. And this church being in this space, occupying this space on the street here in Thomas Street for 250 years, which is really quite something, isn't it? 250 years is really quite significant. And I suppose we're really excited about thinking about not just where we've come from, what we've inherited, what we want to safeguard, but thinking, uh, thinking ahead, thinking about, well, what does it look like? Uh, to be uh, all that God's called us to be? Uh, what does it mean for us to do all that God's calling us to do in the next 25 years and beyond? So it's an exciting time. This is a little bit of what I'm going to have a tech, tech crash moment. I've got no slides now either. Oh no. Um, we, 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 are, we are, have a teaching focus today. Uh, next week, of course, I've mentioned this a few times. Um, I'm just going to give up on that. Um, We've got a teaching uh, focus today and then um, into next week we have of course our annual gift day. Now maybe if you've joined the church in the last calendar year you might not have experienced our annual gift day but uh, in addition to our weekly and our monthly giving here in St. Catharines we host an annual gift day where we encourage everyone in the life of the church to I suppose review how they give financially to maybe consider giving um, here on uh, next Sunday, the 29th, uh, we uh, encourage the life, everyone in the life of the church, everyone who, I suppose, considers themselves to be uh, committed members of the church family to, to, to review how they give financially uh, into the life of the church. So maybe uh, you give weekly uh, onto um, the place, uh, um, or maybe you give via direct debit um, and monthly, um, but we, would lo- we want to try and create a space, I suppose, in the calendar year where there's room for you to think, well, maybe in addition to reviewing that, I might want to give a, a once-off uh, um, donation, a, a, a larger sum, or maybe you want to do that, uh, repeat that throughout the calendar year. So next sun, Sunday at our gathering here in, in St. Catharines, we're going to be hosting our annual gift day. It's an opportunity for us to worship together, uh, for us to pray, for us to um, um, make some space for us to be able to give generously together in a very particular type of way. Um, 
But uh, as I've already highlighted both last week and again this, and this morning, you've heard this is this week coming is the week, our, our our week of prayer and fasting that we're going to be having. Uh, two quick things. Obviously, yes, tomorrow night's our AGM, but we're going to be gathering here at half seven on Thursday evening to kind of close out our week of prayer and fasting. Uh, and I'm going to say something a little bit more about fasting in a minute, uh, but uh, I just want to encourage you, however you're spending your week, however you're going to be practicing uh, praying with us and fasting alongside us, maybe you might consider coming and joining us at half seven here on Thursday night. Um, I suppose if, if you click on to the next slide, uh, I, I, I wanted you just to really quickly um, th- have us think together about why, why we should fast, why, um, uh, why we should um, p- put this type of thing in practice uh, in our community. I think it's a really helpful starting point and a healthy question to ask. Fasting, ultimately, is giving up something that is in and of itself good, uh, like food or, or something else, uh, in order to intensify our expression of need for something greater, namely God and his work in our lives. And I suppose the thing I want, the reason I wanted to speak about fasting as I started is because I really want to make sure, kind of do that kind of myth-busting thing around fasting, is that it doesn't have to be uh, food and drink. It doesn't have to be. For you to um, operate uh, in this, for you to kind of be a part of the church's prayer, a week of prayer and fasting, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give up food and drink. Not everybody is able to do that for health reasons or for other reasons that you're not in a position to be able to, you know, just leave in the morning, go off to work and do that without food. Of course, not everybody's going to be able to do that. But you you might want to... um, participate to play your part in the in in the week of week of prayer and fasting in a different way maybe um you might want to uh, one of the things i'm going to be doing is reading a book so i'm going to be setting aside time each day to study and to read a particular book uh but maybe it, your thing is netflix maybe 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 what you would really re- that the thing that would really help you engage with god more is that if you just had a a, a screen fast this week Maybe something that might help you to connect more with God might be to delete Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or your favorite news app on your phone for a week. And for the next four to five days, instead of our time being drawn into that and uh, 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 in that way, but to actually give that time to God instead in some different way. Maybe for you it's tea or coffee. I'm certain God hasn't asked me to give up coffee. Um, but those things that maybe drain our time and attention, what does it look like for us to take uh, the time and the parts of us that we give to those things um, and to, to make more space for time and time for God, for God to speak and to spend more time with him? For each of us, it'll be different. Um, there's a, an, another slide here, just some really quick um, tips for uh, this week. My encouragement is that you don't do this on your own. If you're going to join us in the prayer and fasting this week, whatever shape or form it's coming in, don't do it on your own and certainly don't do it without talking to someone else about it. Maybe you're going to fast with your connect group. I wanted to encourage all of you, those of you who are parents here this morning, to think about how you might mark the week of prayer and fasting with your children. 
That's certainly something I think that we're going to be doing as a family. So when you're together, whether it's at breakfast or, or dinner, or at the beginning of the day, the end of the day, that you invite them into that place uh, and into your own decision-making. Different generations fasting together is, always has a really powerful impact. Certainly it has in our life in the past. Secondly, simply have a target. What is it that you're fasting and praying for this week? What would you like to see change? What would you like to hear from God about? It's not just a case of doing it and making space, time, space and time for it, but what would you like to see God change? What, what would you like to see God, what would you like to hear God speak to you about throughout this week? It's important we have a focus. It's important that if we, you are praying and fasting this week, that it's not just a case of uh, another week just being exactly like every other week that you might have. If you are taking time out and if you are joining us in our week of prayer and fasting, I want to encourage you to punctuate your day somehow, however simply, for however short a space of time that you make space in your day for uh, reading your Bible and for prayer. Uh, finally, uh, or secondly, God extends grace. Maybe you, because of work, you have to, and you want to give up tea and coffee, but you're in a meeting and you absolutely have to because you don't want to draw attention to yourself. Or maybe for another reason, you find yourself unable to uh, keep going with what you've, you've, you've been trying to fast from. Don't don't kind of like don't let disappointment sink in. If you have a if you slip up, if something happens uh, maybe contrary to the way that you would have liked, don't give up. It just kind of press pause on it and get started again, and uh, don't let discouragement uh, uh, take you take you out. And then finally, to to make sure that you rest, especially for those of you who are kind of changing your diet in some way. Often, what happens is is that when we are restricting or changing how we're eating and drinking, we can find ourselves tireder than normal. And breakthroughs, my experience when fasting, when we're fasting, breakthroughs often happen and because we fasted, not always during the fast. So it's recognizing that we need to be patient and trusting actually that what God's, um, what God's doing, it might be days, it might be weeks, or it might be even further down the road that we see the fruit of the thing that we've been asking for and praying for. Is that okay? So if you're joining us this week in prayer and fasting, that would be absolutely brilliant. And I would love, don't get stuck on this, it's got to be food or drink thing. Maybe there's something else that you might be, uh, that you might be able to help, you might be, that might help you just express that desire that you have for more of God. And I want to encourage you uh, to do that. So maybe next slide uh, would be uh, great. Thank you. If there is a next slide, I hope I hope there is. No, there is. You'll have to just trust me. So all throughout this month, what we've been doing, the aim is to use a small group of biblical texts to provide us with a bit of a backdrop for this vision process that we're going to be picking up again on in the autumn. Um, over the past uh, couple of weeks, we, we started out the, the process. We thought together about the book of Joshua, particularly thinking about chapter 1. Last week, we looked at Matthew 9. And what I want to do today is I want to look at two other passages and put those alongside our Joshua 1 and um, Mar- uh, Matthew 9 text. So if you've got a Bible, open up with me to uh, Matthew chapter 28. 
verses 16 to 20. Maybe you read your your Bible on your phone. Feel free to take your phone out and open up. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. Maybe this uh, text is familiar to you. It's called the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that you give us wisdom as we reflect on these and other passages together today. We pray that you have your way with the rest of our time together. Pray that you use these words to speak to us, to challenge us, even disturb us, and to help us as we move out from where we are into the new things that you're calling us into as a community. And we ask and pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So, similarly to the Matthew 9 uh, moment that we spent time looking at together last week, where Jesus called people into love and prayer and his love for others, this is, I want to suggest, um, uh, another very unique moment in the life and ministry of Jesus and his disciples. I I would even argue an unparalleled moment in the life of Jesus and his disciples. Just think about it. These are the very last things that Jesus chose to say to his disciples. Of all the possible things that he could have said, why did he talk like this? Of all of the different things that he could have highlighted all the different things that he could have pointed to, all the different things that he could have insisted on and called them to. Why would he say these things? Why would he highlight these things, these phrases, these words? It must be very important. The 11, Matthew 28 tells us, are going to the mountain that Jesus had told them to go to. So Matthew, interesting in how he is different to some of the other gospel writers. For Matthew, the whole issue of place is very important. The other gospels, they report the last words of Jesus quite differently. If you look at John and Luke and, and the, other, the other gospels, um, all, of last, all of Jesus' last words to the disciples, it, it all happens indoors. And certainly not on a mountain. But, but ma- mountains for Matthew, if, you, if you'd like to learn something interesting about Matthew and the way he writes his gospels, actually place is very significant for Matthew and mountains 
Um, I, I guess maybe he was into creation, and uh, he, but he certainly really, really talks about mountains quite a bit. Thinking about chapter 4, for example, uh, Jesus' final temptation uh, in the wilderness happens on a mountain. Uh, moving on from that into chapter 5, thinking about the, this amazing opportunity, the teaching moment called that, that many people have gone on to call the Sermon on the Mount, again, happens on a mountainside. And then beyond that into chapter 17, his transfiguration, that the kind of amazing encounter that the disciples have with the, Jesus all glory, glorified in front of them uh, uh, happens on a mountainside, all carrying with them the significance of place. And I think that Jesus, knowing what was ahead of the disciples, he wanted them to start from a place of worship, of connection, of intimacy with him and with others. And, and it, it's something that I'd like to spend a little bit more time on, uh, but, but really just don't have the capacity today. But how, how encouraging it is that Matthew chapter 28 presents us with a group of people who were in equal measures caught up in this amazing perspective as well as there was people in the community that were really struggling. We're not presented with this perfect picture. We're not presented with this hugely successful group of people that Jesus was clear, you know, he was totally confident in. It says some worshipped and others doubted. I think that's significant. We'll pick up again on it, on it in a little bit. In that place of connection with him. And I, I love that Jesus doesn't bring any corrective. He, he doesn't uh, you know, look around and, and, and point out, well, maybe some are more interested or some are more committed than others. All he seems to want to do at that point is to encourage them with the truth, with the reality, that he is enough. The text uses word, the word authority, but essentially what he's wanting to do is to put their minds at ease and saying, I'm enough. I'm, I'm, I'm enough for you. He's not lacking in any way. And this, I would want to suggest, is probably one of the most significant sentences in all of Matthew's Gospel. That he is enough. And it's designed, these words in chapter 28 are designed to kind of point us back to chapter 11 where Jesus had already made a similar statement. That the Father had given him everything. All authority. And that he lacked nothing. That he was enough. Enough for them. And the task that Jesus gives them, going back to this idea of all the things that he could have said, of all of the things that he could have prioritized, what Jesus does The task he gives them is to make disciples. And if there's just one thing that you go away from from our time together this morning, um, let it be that. Of all the things that Jesus could have said, of all the things he could have asked for them, for that to be a kind of distinguishing thing about their life together, is that Jesus calls us, the task he gives us is to make disciples. It's not something that we're called to split hairs over 
And I, I, I would want to push that a little bit further and say, I don't actually think it's something that we, we should be thinking kind of whether or not we're bought into that or not. This is fundamental to what it means for the church to be the church. That we're preparing people, that we are teaching people, that we're equipping people to live the way that Jesus has asked us to and called us to. It's not just a teary goodbye. What we see here are are two distinct but complementary ways of being families that make disciples. If you could just go on to the next slide, please, Paul. What we see here in this... The, this, this community that have been given a t- the task of, 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 of making disciples, these two distinct but complementary ways of being communities that make disciples. That's what we see here. Not just a teary goodbye. We're called to go and make We're called to be scattered and gathered. If you go on to the next slide, we're we're, we're called to engage in culture and society with reference to all nations in the green text here. And we're called to invite people into community with us where together we make the life of Jesus the organizing principle for our life together, which is what we see in uh, the green text in the word teaching. So we're, we're presented with two distinct but complementary ways of being families that make disciples. We're called to go and we're called to make. We're called to scatter, to be scattered, and we're called to gather. And we've talked about that uh, numerous times uh, over the, the last year or so, thinking again, looking at the church at the beginning of the book of Acts, thinking particularly around chapter 2, towards the end of chapter 2. We're told that even at that point, a, a pattern had started to develop in the post-Pentecost church, where they were gathered together in one space, worshipping together in the temple, probably a lot like this. And, then, and, and they were also meeting, scattered. They were also meeting in one another's homes. They were sharing life together. And they were joining in with the mission of God as families. Gathered, scattered, go and make. And I suppose in terms of how that all relates to St. Catherine's, I suppose in this season I just want us to hear afresh God's call on our lives as a community to be a both and church. And with that, I want to encourage and to challenge all of you, particularly if you're here as a member of the church family, to, 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 to come further into the life of the church family. And alongside of meeting with us here on Sundays, to commit to being a part of a community that meets throughout the week, to join one of our connect groups. And I'll say a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Yes, and uh, thank you, Joy. I don't know if Joy's still here. Thank you for the way that Joy led us in prayers this morning. Of course, we're called to be in Dublin 8. It is not an accident that we are here on this street corner. I was in a meeting uh, just, I don't know, three, four months ago with some local, it's, it's, it's called the Dublin 8 Business Leaders Forum, and we had the, the CEO of St. James's Hospital in to present to us. 
And essentially they were saying that there's going to be millions and millions and millions of euros invested into this postcode in the next three to four years. Next door is just the beginning. 500 students will be living next door in just, I don't know, six or eight months' time. Then there's going to be St. James's Quarter. The, Saint, the, the John Players factory is going to be redeveloped. We're going to be within walking distance of 4,500 students within the next two to four years. It's a huge, it's not just the skyline that is changing, but it is the actual community, which will bring with it complexities and problems. And yes, there are some complex social issues here on our doorstep, but there will be even, even more complex pieces coming into play as people from all over the city, all over the country, all over the world are buying properties in our neighborhood. There's going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of more people living within, you know, striking distance of our community. This, we, we're on the, our community is on the cusp of change. It's not just what's happening within these four walls and a change of leadership and maybe some new language for what matters and so on and so on and so on. Dublin 8 is it's on the cusp of really significant social change. And I believe that we're going to have uh, a role in all of that. Which is exciting, isn't it? We are called to have a presence here in the local community. And, and as we kind of get a little bit more clarity on what that could be, what that might that now, uh, uh, that's not a new thing. There's all kinds of influence that this church has had within this local Dublin 8 community. But as that changes, I imagine the influence and our involvement in the community is going to change as well. So alongside of that and figuring out what God looks like for us to have a, a local pre- a presence here locally, we are called to go. We're called to be scattered servants all over the city. That our sole focus can't just be coming here for an hour and a half of public worship on a Sunday morning. Some of our community will be based here because they live here and their children are in school here and they work around the corner and so on and so on. But a lot of us are coming from much further afield than that. And as we develop and grow the life and the ministry of the church further over the next 12 to 24 months, that's going to mean giving new expression to communities all over the city. Not just because we're ambitious, but because it's what we're called to do. It's funny that there's, there's a, maybe you've seen this, maybe you haven't, but there's been some controversy over social media uh, this past couple of weeks, uh, particularly in uh, one way of seeing life and mission and ministry. And uh, famously, there's this phrase that healthy things grow. Have you ever heard that phrase, thinking about church life? You know, but essentially the presupposition is that healthy things grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm not sure that St. Catherine's single focus is going to be get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in this place. I think healthy things multiply. We, we grow to a certain point 
and then we multiply. We're not called to exclusively have a focus on these streets here locally and to facilitate an hour and a half public worship on a Sunday morning. That's not all that God's called us to do. Now, last week I spoke, we were thinking about prayer and about worship. We were thinking about how, well, I was sharing the stories, really, how often when we gather together at the very beginning of the church, 25 years ago or more, and God would often speak about how he called us to be a light on a hill. And that's part of the way that we worshipped and prayed would be a light and a witness to the city and beyond. And we've seen that. We've seen that as true. We've experienced that. But almost uh, all of the time that that was happening, God was always speaking about how we were called to have a much wider influence as a community than just one single place. God's called us to be a multiplying church, St. Catherine's. God's called us to have influence around the city, not just on these streets and on this corner and in Dublin 8. And again, our connect groups, being a part of connect groups, are going to be a significant part of that. From the earliest days, I remember being in a, in a prayer meeting and, and the, the word, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a made-up word, I don't think it's real, for otherness. But there's, there's a sense in which we have central to who we are, our own understanding, is that we don't just exist for ourselves. It's not just about seeing that, ensuring that things are the way that we like them for an hour and a half in this building on Sunday mornings. But we're thinking, actually, the way that we're focused, the way that we're praying, the, the things that we're longing for, are, they have a for-otherness about them. We're thinking about people who are not at all interested in things of faith. We're thinking about people who are not even remotely interested in coming to church. Thinking about people who need help, maybe. People that we might serve. Other communities locally to us, maybe. Maybe beyond Dublin 8. Maybe, maybe in, in Hoth. Maybe in Sutton. Maybe in Donna Mead. Maybe in Donna Bate. Maybe in Goatstown. Maybe in Dundrum. Whoever. We, do, we just don't know. And it's not about striking out so that we can make an impact and do that ambitiously. But we want to stay in step with God and take risks where he asks us to take them, not for risk-taking sake. But we want to try to do the best we can to be obedient where he's calling us to be obedient, take risks where he's calling us to take risk for his kingdom's sake, to be in step with him. That's all in our DNA. It's all in where we've been before and, and I believe is, is, is crucially, is central to where it is that God's calling us as we go forward. And, and as like I said last week, it's not just a case of reaching back into our story, into the past and recovering some old habits in hope that it kind of sets something alight again in the belly of our church. It's, it's about recovering some crucial shifts in perspective around what it means to be scattered and what it means to go. If you could just go on to the next slide. Maybe, again, I could ask you to turn with me this time to John's Gospel, chapter 20. And we're going to st- I'm going to start reading at verse 19. John, chapter 20. I'm going to start reading at verse 19. 
So these are Jesus' parting words to his disciples, or these are among some of Jesus' parting words to his disciples, but this time as John's gospel presents them to us. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Considering in Matthew chapter 28, we're told that some worshipped and some doubted. And again, here at the parting words of Jesus for his disciples, it's, it's, it's also being God speaking, Jesus speaking into this place of fear and doubt and uncertainty. So we're in good company. Locked behind uh, doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them his wounds and his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw him. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Lots to think about and reflect on and unpack in that text. So full, so full of meaning, different layers of significance. This amazing moment where Jesus appears suddenly into the midst of this community on the cusp, similarly to us, on the cusp of something new. A community in a place that had never been before. They've been following Jesus with their lives as a family together for three years. And then all of a sudden he was killed, he was crucified, and they lost the person that was the, the very center of their community. And now he's um, appearing in their midst. I love that word suddenly as well. Kind of keeps us on our toes, doesn't it? This is another, I want to suggest, unique moment. And of course, the language towards the end of the text where Jesus breathes on them is designed, John wants us to think about the creation narrative in the book of Genesis where where God is breathing life into dry, the dry ground as the first human community, we're told, is brought into being and into relationship. However we understand that was happening. This text is one of those rare points In all of the scriptures where we get a glimpse of something of what Jesus' own self-understanding was. So much ink over the the years has been spilt about, well, did Jesus really know who he was? How much did Jesus understand about uh, what what he was there to do? And some texts seem to point that he doesn't fully know everything and when things are going to happen and what's going to happen. But in this moment, an important teaching moment for this community, Jesus is very, very clear about what his self-understanding was. If you could just go to the next text, next slide, I mean. Verse 19. 
Verse 21, I mean, sorry, forgive me. As the Father has sent me. So central to Jesus' own self-understanding is that he was sent. That he had been sent by the Father. And then it goes on to the next text, the next slide. So I am sending you. Again, think about the significance of this. Of all the things that Jesus could have said, all the things that Jesus might have drawn and the attention of the disciples to, this is what Jesus is saying. This is the challenge, the significance of this moment for this community. In the same way that the Father has sent the Son, Jesus sends us. What does that mean? What does that mean? How was Jesus sent? And I just want to make two very quick observations. Firstly, is that Jesus lived incarnationally. Maybe that's a word you're familiar with or not, but essentially what it's saying is that he took on flesh to reach humanity. He became human. To redeem and to restore everything that had ever happened and would ever happen in time and space in human history, Jesus became one of us. So Jesus lived incarnationally. That's one of the ways that the Father had sent Jesus. And this is something, I suppose, the other thing that goes along with this is what we've been exploring together over the past couple of months. Jesus started a family. Of all the other ways he could have, offer, uh, he could have uh, operated in, um, in his ministry, he did that. He chose, didn't do that on his own. He did that in community. He built community. So the question, as I see it, going into uh, all that God has ahead for us in the coming weeks and months and years, the questions we need to be asking are where and who? Where is God sending us to go? We need to be thinking and praying about that. Where are we being scattered as a community in the coming months and years ahead? I think this is central for what it means for the church to be the church. And with that, we need to be asking who? Who is God calling me to share my life for the kingdom's sake? Who am I committed to following Jesus with? And it's the challenge I want to bring to each of us, each of you again. If you're not already in a connect group, I want to ask you, I want to encourage you to think about being a part of one. It needs to be central to how we're praying as we wait and listen throughout this next season as a community. We're called to live incarnationally in the power of the Spirit as family. When we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, those are the two distinct things that we see. There's go and make. Now, I want to show, uh, technology hasn't worked exactly brilliantly for me this morning, but I've got a video in my PowerPoint presentation that I'm praying might work. Let's, let's take a minute to look at it.
where the tears start. He almost gives up. for the music. Press pause there. Thanks, Paul. Um, I, I, I'm not going to own up to how many times I have had a good little uh, weep to myself uh, <laughs> in front of my laptop to that. Um, there is something so incredibly powerful about that video. Every time I see it, this uh, you know, phenomenal power uh, of community and belief. And there's a kind of that moment, isn't there, where they're all just watching the show. And any of you who are parents, you've been to numerous uh, of those kind of, um, uh, well, you know, interesting uh, shows of talent, shall we call them. And uh, I've been to too many recorder uh, recitals that have nearly um, yeah, made me uh, consider uh, why, why, why we bother. Um, but, uh, Rachel, you were always wonderful uh, at the recorder. But... Um, there's that moment where they're not just spectating, that they come and they gather around and they uh, support this, this poor little kid who's kind of gone, he's drawn the short straw and he's got to go last. And then to see the result, the effect of coming around and encouraging. Uh, we are sent people. The point I'm trying to make here, we are uh, fundamentally, we, we, it was central to Jesus' own self-understanding. And in that moment of telling the disciples who he understood he was, he encourages them and reminds them that our identity as followers of his is that we are sent in the same way that Jesus had been sent. We, we, we are called to live incarnationally in community in the power of the Spirit. That's what the shape of the church is. That's our call. We're not called to just be focused with what in, in terms of what's happening in an hour and a half in a public worship service in this neighborhood. We're called to go to the city. We're called to go. We're called to be scattered. And in doing that, to bring the reality and the story uh, of the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we're not called, we're not called to go alone. We're sent, but we're not called to go alone. We continue the ministry of Jesus in family, in the power of the Spirit. And our vision as a church, as we think about how this relates to the future as well as our present, 
We are called to give expression to the kingdom of God all over our city. Let's pray together. Let's stand. We're going to take a minute. Maybe the band could come and and play uh, for us. We're going to take a minute to pray uh, together as a community for the things that we've been thinking about together over the last few minutes. Lord, thank you for all that you're doing in the life of our church. Thank you for the way that you're leading us. Thank you for the way that you're speaking. And Lord, our heart is to end uh, in the same place and posture that we ended last week. Um, We're just bringing our church to you and asking that you would just have your way. And I just want to encourage you, just wherever you are now, let's just just offer St. Catherine's back to God again afresh. Thinking about the prayer of week, uh, the week of prayer and fasting coming up. Think of this uh, vision month uh, ending with the 29th. Let's just together, just as individuals, as you stand and wait and pray, that we would just take, take, take time just to give the church back to God, just recognizing it's His. Give Him permission to change, to lead us out uh, into all that He has for us. Just take a minute to do that. Would you, would you continue, Lord, just to speak to us throughout this vision month? Would you continue to speak to us throughout this week of prayer and fasting? We just bring St. Catherine's to you. We ask that you'd have your way. We give you our future. We give you our past. We give you the place that we find ourselves just ask that you would that you'd have your way maybe we could just pray those things just pray them just let's just give God our yes Lord have your way maybe together we could just begin to raise our prayers just pray out give the church back to God just ask that God would have his way
just as we close, uh, uh, thinking that the next time we're together will be gift day, maybe we can just take a minute just to pray again for our resources, our finances. Pray that God gives us everything that we need. Maybe you can just take a minute just to pray again. Um, Lord, we pray that we'd have everything that we need. We'd have everything we need to do all that you've called us to do. Oh, we pray that you'd provide, that you would make a way. Thank you, Lord, that even when it seems like the task you've called us to, or difficult or complex or or you never call us to do something that you don't give us everything that we need for so in faith Lord we pray and ask that you provide everything that we need for the coming weeks months and years ahead we want to answer your call to go I pray that you teach us and show us how to do that give us the resources to do that to, to train and equip leaders to help us do that see your call to make disciples would you give us everything that we need to be able to do that Lord you've called us to be gathered Lord I pray that you would give us all the resources that we need to be able to continue using the space in the way that it's designed Lord you've called us to be scattered Lord you pray that you give us the resources we need to explore more of our vision as a church to be a multiplying community that serves and resources other church plants give us courage finally Lord just as a church Lord I pray for each one here thinking about the two communities, the pictures of the communities that we saw both in Matthew 28 and John 20, Lord, of of, of, of um, hiding for fear of the Jewish leaders in the John text or in that place of worship and doubt in the Matthew 28 text. And we pray, Lord, that you give us courage to walk in the things that you've called us to walk in. fresh today.